Amen. All right. Let's take our Bibles. Luke chapter 17. Luke chapter 17 this morning, and we'll be in verses 11 through 19 in just a moment. All right. But as you know, we're going through the miracles of Christ on Sunday mornings, and each time I've got to remind you of the main purpose behind them. So keep in mind. The miracles we find in the gospel records are not there primarily, not there for some kind of show like King Herod wanted to see, all right? Not primarily there just to see the following that would follow Christ, though many people followed the Lord Jesus Christ because of what he did for them. But when he got down to the nitty-gritty of the truth, many forsook him, by the way, but uh, that's not why he did what he did to draw a following. He did not do these mighty miracles even to show the mighty power that he has, though each and every one proves that point, that there's nothing too hard for the Lord. But that's not the main purpose. It's not even just the main purpose behind him to show how Jesus helps people, though Jesus helped thousands of people, all right? That's not the main purpose. Rather, I believe that the main purpose behind these miracles of Christ that we see in the gospel records is this, to prove and to show who Jesus really is, that he is, listen to me, that he is the Son of God, that he is the Christ, the Messiah, that he is God come in the flesh, Emmanuel, God with us. These miracles prove this over and over and over again. And here's what John said about them. In John chapter 20, verse 30 through 31, and many other signs truly did Jesus in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written. Why are they written, John? Why do we have these miracles and signs, John? Why are they recorded for us? That you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and believing you might have life through his name. So this is why we have them. To prove and show that Jesus is the Messiah, the Christ, the Son of God, and this truth, in fact, should, should cause you and I to see this and understand this truth about Christ. And it should draw us to him as our Savior and believe on him and have life through his name. So once again, allow these miracles to bring you to Jesus. Do you know why I bring this up every time? It's not because I need an introduction to the message, all right? The reason I want to bring this up every time we look at the miracles, because there's people today that are trying to discredit and deny the miracles of Jesus Christ in Scripture. And if they can get you to deny and disbelieve the miracles of Scripture, you know what they're trying to get you to disbelieve and deny? That Jesus really is God. That's what they're trying to do. So please understand, I bring it up for that very reason, to remind you of who your Savior really is, all right? So anyway, so let the miracles draw you closer to Jesus and allow this one to draw you closer to the Lord today. Okay, look, look at with me, Luke chapter 17. Luke chapter 17, verse 11 through 19, as we come to this portion of Scripture, it may be good to keep the context in mind, all right? Understand at this moment that Jesus is uh, making his way to Jerusalem with his, with his disciples. And on this journey to Jerusalem, he is teaching his disciples many things. He is uh, telling them many things, things that are soon to come. And a lot of that had to deal with what's going to happen to Jesus himself. He is teaching them in this chapter even how he must suffer many things at the hands of the Jews. And he's preparing them for a time when they will not physically, in a physical sense, have Jesus 
with them as they've had them for the past three years. All right? He's trying to prepare them for that time. He's also trying to teach them and prepare them to minister and to serve and to help others as Jesus has ministered, served, and helped others. Jesus is trying to teach. Understand something. Jesus is trying to teach these guys a lot of things in these short moments leading up to the entry at Jerusalem. And no doubt in these days and on this journey, there'd be some very critical moments with the Lord, some very critical lessons to learn from Jesus in these, in these moments. And in this chapter of Luke, he gives us some of those critical moments. He gives us some of those critical lessons he's trying to teach to his disciples. And one of those lessons, we won't take time to dive into today, but one of those lessons he's trying to teach here in Luke chapter 17 is this lesson, a lesson on forgiveness. In verses 1 through 6, you can see that for yourself. He's trying to teach a lesson on forgiveness. And if there's ever a lesson we need to learn as believers today, here's just one of them. I can promise you that. We need to learn to forgive one another as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven us. We must learn this lesson. We must learn it. If we fail to learn the lesson of forgiveness, you know what's going to happen? You're going to allow bitterness to creep into your life and take root in your heart. And bitterness, my friend, will trap you, imprison you, and do more damage to any relationship than anything else. I've heard preachers say this for years. They have said, they have said immorality has slain its thousands, but bitterness its tens of thousands. And the longer I live, I see it more and more to be a fact. Bitterness, understand, if it takes root in your life, will cause more damage than you could ever, ever imagine. Therefore, learn to forgive. They're trying to learn this lesson. Another lesson he's trying to teach them is this, their faithful service. In verses 7 through 10, you can see that as well. It's another lesson we all need to learn, to serve the Lord. Let me ask you a question this morning. Are you saved today? Say amen. 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 Good. Then, therefore... Serve King Jesus with your life. There's no one else worthy of your service than him. Learn the lesson to faithfully serve God because, listen, in the end, that's all that's really going to matter is serving the Lord or not. Only one life so soon will pass, but only what's done for Jesus will last. Serve the Lord. So this is a lesson they're trying to learn, but there's another one here. Especially come to this miracle in Luke chapter number 17 that Jesus is trying to teach them. And I believe it's this lesson, a lesson on thankfulness. A lesson on thankfulness. So let's look at it together. Luke chapter 17 and verse number 11, all right? Luke chapter 17, verse number 11. And the Bible says this. And it came to pass as he went to Jerusalem that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered into a certain village, there met him ten men that were lepers, which stood afar off. And they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And when he saw them, he said unto them, Go, show yourselves unto the priests. And it came to pass that as they went, they were cleansed. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back with a loud voice, glorified God, fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks. And he was a Samaritan. And Jesus answering and said, We're there are not ten cleansed, but where are the nine? There are not found that were returned to give glory to, glory to God, save this stranger. And he said unto him, Arise, go thy way, thy faith hath made thee whole. Our Father, we thank you again for the word of God. We thank you for the lessons we find, the truth of the word of God. I pray you to help us today to learn this truth 
of thankfulness. Help us, I pray, to be thankful people, to give you glory and praise for everything you do in us and through us and for us. We love you. Thank you for loving us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So let's learn this lesson this morning on a lesson of thankfulness as we consider these ten lepers that were cleansed by the mighty power of the Lord Jesus Christ. All right? So the first thing I want us to see from this portion of Scripture is this. Number one, take note of the lepers as a whole. All right? Take note of the lepers. Now, with these ten lepers, there's a lot to see about them. Okay? And the first thing I'd like for us to consider about them is this. Notice, number one, their condition. Notice their condition. Now, what was their condition? On a count of three, tell me what they were. One, two, three, they were lepers. All right. That was their condition. They were lepers. Now, understand, leprosy was an actual real disease. And it wasn't just an ancient disease just in biblical times. No, that still happens today. All right? Leprosy is still a thing today in our world. And actually one of our missionaries that we've supported for many, many years is a missionary to the lepers of Thailand and Mongolia. And if you'll remember, that was Mr. Tommy Tillman. And Mr. Tommy Tillman served the Lord and served these lepers for many years until the Lord took him home back in December of 2020. But he served the Lord this way, trying to bring the gospel to the lepers in Thailand. It's amazing ministry to see what he's a part of. But just know that leprosy is still a thing. It is still around today. And according to the World Health Organization, there were 127,558 new leprosy cases detected globally in 2020 in about 139 countries. Now, most of those countries where this would be found would be in the countries of India, Brazil, Nepal, Myanmar, and, and a few others. But listen, what I'm trying to tell you is this disease is still around. And when someone contacts this disease, leprosy, listen, can take a horrendous effect on that human's body. It can affect the skin of the individual where they would develop sores and gross and, and, and different lumps and those kind of things. And in many cases, when leprosy, when they develop these sores, the, those sores will not, um, will not hurt, at least not for long. Because with leprosy, here's what happens. Those nerve endings be, begin to deaden. They begin to die, and it takes effect on their nervous system. So they don't feel the damage. They don't feel the hurt. And when someone has that kind of nerve damage that's coupled with that infected sore, that individual will eventually, if left untreated, will eventually lose their limbs, their fingers, their toes, their feet, their hands. It's really a sad condition to see that physically still happens today. So this, con this condition, it took a toll on them physically, but understand, it also took a toll on them mentally. Where do you see that, preacher? Well, understand with leprosy, if in this condition... They were not to be around public. Now, some of you that are introverts, you're like, man, that sounds okay. You know, it's not too bad, right? But they're not around, allowed to be around anybody. Let's just say, as a spouse or as a, as a parent, you contacted leprosy during this time in Bible times. That meant immediately you had to get out of the house and immediately go to some leper colony. You'd have to be away from your family, away from your friends, away from any uh, job you may have had, it, it, it's done. This was a death sentence. Yes, physically, but listen, even mentally, emotionally, and every other league you can think of, this had an effect on them. This was their condition. Understand, try to picture this in your mind, what's going through the hearts and minds and even bodies of these individuals. This would have been a desperate time, hopeless time, and a very lonely time. This was their condition. 
But notice this, number two, about these lepers. In verse 13, we see this. We see their cry. We see their cry. Look at it with me in verse 13, all right? And they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. Now let me ask you, church, was their cry here, was it, was it this? Was, was it, Lord, you see the condition we're in. You see the shape we're in. You see our sores, our missing limbs. It's very desperate. We really want to get back to our family. Lord, you see this. And Lord, we see this. Will, will you cleanse us from our leprosy? Lord, will you make us whole? Will you help us get back to our family? Help us get back to our friends? Lord, will you restore our, our bodies? Lord, will, will you help us? Was this their cry here? Now, the cry for help would have been a good cry. Nothing wrong with that. Not saying that at all. That have been a good cry, but was this their cry? No. This was not their cry at all. Their cry was simply this. Look at it again, verse 13. Lift up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. Have mercy. What was their cry? Their cry was mercy, Lord. It wasn't, Lord, touch my body. It wasn't, Lord, help me. It wasn't, Lord, restore me. No, their cry was a simple, Lord, have mercy. Mercy, Lord. If I was to ask you today, what do you need? <laughs> Some of you will give me a lot of, a lot of, uh, a list, rather, a list of needs. And they may be some... Uh, Money needs, maybe some physical needs, maybe whatever, right? We'll have a laundry list of needs that we could uh, list for us. And every time I ask Brother Tweed, what do you need? Anything to do for you, let me know. He said, well, I'm still looking for that $50,000, you know, but anyway. But praying about that, Brother Tweed, we are. No, but, uh, <laughs> but we all have a need, right? We have a laundry list of needs. And if I was to ask you, what do you need today? You would give that, you would give that, that list. But let me tell you what we really need. Let me tell you what we really need today is this. Just fresh mercy. Mercy, Lord. Just fresh mercy. The Bible says in Lamentations 3, 22 through 23, it's of the Lord's mercies that were not consumed. Because His compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is Thy faithfulness. Listen, folks, we just simply need Mercy. Did these, did these guys have a lot of needs? Oh my goodness. Yes, they did. But what did they cry for? Mercy. Why? Because understand, mercy encompasses all of who God is. The Bible says in Psalm 116, in verse number 5, Gracious is the Lord and righteous. Yea, our God is merciful. Uh, listen, mercy isn't just an attribute of God, but it's who God is. He's merciful. It encompasses who he is. He is merciful. And church, these lepers, they had a lot of needs, yes, but their greatest was mercy, and so it is for us today. What do you need this morning? I'll tell you. It's mercy. Oh, God, be merciful to us. What was it that that sinner prayed when him and a publican, or, or rather a Pharisee and a publican, were, were praying together at the temple? What was it that he prayed? He said, oh, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. It's just simple mercy that we need. 
God, give us mercy. So this cry here we see, it wasn't for healing necessarily. It wasn't for restoring necessarily. No, they knew their greatest need was mercy. And that's our greatest need as well. All right, number three, notice this about, about these lepers. Number three, notice their cleansing. Look at verse 14. And when he saw them, he said unto them, Go show yourselves unto the priests. And it came to pass that as they went, they were cleansed. Now, it's interesting to me how this miracle and cleansing really took place. You see, they were not cleansed at this miracle by Jesus touching them. Now look, he's done that before with other lepers in Scripture. You can find it for yourself. The leprous man in, in the synagogue, he said, uh, or he touched a man, a leper, leprous man before. Uh, but he didn't do that here. He didn't, he didn't heal them by touching, touching them. They were not cleansed or healed even by Jesus speaking a word to their, uh, their sickness as he's done in the past. When he did with the one individual, when, when, the guy, when the man came to Jesus and said, uh, Lord, will you make me whole? And he said, I will, be thou whole. He didn't do that. As he healed a Samaritan's daughter, uh, he, didn't, he didn't say, uh, or he, he did, rather he did say a word that she was healed. Look, here in this moment, though, he doesn't. He doesn't do that. He doesn't touch them. He doesn't say a word of be healed or be clean. Rather, Jesus, listen, gives a command. And in his command, he says, go show yourself to the priests. Now, this is interesting to me for a couple of reasons. Reason number one is at this moment, it was the task of the Jewish priests to examine the people to determine whether they were lepers or not. And this task was given to them from the Old Testament in Leviticus chapter 13 through 14. You read that for yourself. But they were given that task to determine if the individual was clean or dirty. And then after the individual may have become clean, it was again their task to declare them clean. All right? So this is what the priests would do at this moment with anyone that it would be a leper. But what's interesting to me as well in this command is this. When Jesus asked them to go see the priest, he did so before he had cleaned them. Now, don't you know they knew what it meant to go to the priest? I mean, I believe at least nine of these guys, I believe, were, well, I can't wholeheartedly say it, they were, but I believe they were, all right? Jewish men. And so no doubt they knew, they knew what it meant to go to the priests. After all, it would have been the priests that would have told them they were unclean in the first place. That they needed to be away from people in the first place. That they had to avoid the public in the first place. It had been the priest that told them that. So they knew the priest. They knew what it meant to go see the priest. But why would they go see the priest if they had not been cleansed yet? It don't make a lot of sense, does it? But here's what you see, verse 14. And when he saw them, he said to them, Go show yourselves unto the priests. And it came to pass that as, there it is, key word, as they went, they were cleansed. As they went. As they went, they were cleansed. Get this, look. As they, here it is, look, look listen. As they obeyed the Lord, is at that moment they were made clean. So what was it that unlocked their cleansing? What, what was it that unlocked, if I can say it this way, their blessing, all right, is when they obeyed the Lord. Listen, sometimes as believers, as human beings, we find ourselves in difficult situations of life, in different struggles of life and circumstances we wish we were never in. When we find ourselves in those times of life, we desperately look for a way out. 
We struggle to find a, a way out. Do, do we not do that? Anybody with me this morning? You understand what I'm saying? We look for a way out. But while we are in those times and looking for a way out, looking for a shortcut, looking for a uh, cheat code, if you will, looking for that way out, here's what we do many times in those moments. Here's what we do many times. Not all the time, but sometimes. Listen, here's what we do. We do everything but obey the word of God. We do everything we can to get out of the situation but do what God says. You know, I'm convinced that if only we would follow the Lord and this book, this Bible, if we would follow it many times, we would not find ourselves in half the messes we end up in. If we'd only obey God and his word. And it's okay to say amen right there, all right? Thank you. <laughs> follow the Lord and obey him. But as God gave them a command here, it didn't make complete sense to go to see the priest before they were cleansed. But Jesus said, go, show yourself to the priest. And while they were on their way, that's when they were cleansed. So that's what they had to do. Listen, they had to put their faith in what Jesus said and act upon it. That's as simple as I can get to it, friends. Is believe what God said, act upon it. That, listen, that's true faith. Believe what God said, act upon it. That is true faith. And that's exactly what these guys did. And at the very end, at the very end, that last verse in this miracle, even Jesus looked at this man and said, Thy faith hath made thee whole. <laughs> he believed and obeyed. This is what we need to do as well. Believe the Lord and obey his word. All right. So take note of the lepers as a whole, okay? Their condition, their cry, their cleansing. But then notice this, number two. Take note of the lone leper. I did not say lone ranger. I said lone leper, all right? The lone leper, look at verse 15. And one of them, one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back and with a loud voice glorified God, fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks, and he was a Samaritan. And Jesus answering said, Were there not ten cleansed? But where are the nine? They are not found that return to give glory to God, save this stranger. And he said unto him, Arise, go thy way, thy faith hath made thee whole. Notice this lone leper here. The first thing to see about this guy is this. Number one, notice his pondering. Notice his pondering. What do you mean by that, preacher? Well, here's what I mean. Look at verse 15 and notice this phrase in verse 15. When he saw that he was healed. Let me ask you. Let me ask you this question. Were, were there ten lepers here, yes or no? Yes, okay. Were all ten of these lepers cleansed and healed, yes or no? Absolutely. They all were clean, cleaned from their leprosy. Absolutely, okay. Then why did just this one come back? Why just this one lone leper turn back and glorify God? Why was just this one? To fall upon his face at the feet of Jesus and thank the Lord. Why just this one? Here's why I believe he did so. This man, this Samaritan man, this stranger, stopped in his tracks when he saw what the Lord had done for him and pondered what God had done. This leper, as he turned to begin his walk back to the temple to the priests, when he turned to go to the priests, and to believe what Jesus said, turned to go to the, poli the police, <laughs> the priests. When he turned to go to the priests, is at that moment he noticed something. 
My, my sores are gone. My, wait, 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 wait. I can feel that. What? Whoa! I ain't seen that little guy in about three years. My thumb grew back. He turned to go to the priest and he noticed he stopped and saw something. I believe he saw he was made whole again. And as he stopped for a moment to ponder what had just happened in his life, it caused him to do this. Number two, it caused him to praise the Lord. Look at verse 15 again. Notice this phrase. With a loud voice glorified God. When this man saw what had just happened to him, when he saw what Jesus did for him, it caused him to praise God. It caused him to give glory to God. And I'd about bet you, I know we're Christians, we shouldn't bet, but if I was a betting man, I'd about bet you, okay, that it, at this moment, here's what this man did. After seeing he was made whole, after seeing he's made cleansed, he turned back to Jesus with a very loud voice, said, Glory to God! Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. He turned back to the Lord and gave glory to God. As the Bible says, with a loud voice. And folks, it's okay to give glory to the Lord. It's okay to say praise God. It's okay to say hallelujah. It's a very biblical thing. And by the way, when you get to heaven, you're going to be rejoicing a lot. You're going to be saying, hallelujah, praise the Lord a lot. Let me show you what I mean. Revelation chapter 19, verse number 1. And after these things I heard a great voice of much people in heaven saying, hallelujah, salvation and glory and honor and power unto the Lord our God. Again, that same chapter in verse number 6, And I heard, as it were, the voice of a great multitude, and as the voice of many waters, and as the voice of mighty thunderings. Do you, do you get the picture there? They were not, Amen, glory, down. No, mighty thunderings, uh, mighty waters. You, you see the picture? No, these individuals, these born-again believers are thundering their mighty praise to God, saying, Hallelujah, for the Lord God omnipotent reigneth. I believe this man did the same thing. Turned back after he saw what God had done for him and praised the Lord. He didn't care who heard him. Understand, we don't praise the Lord for others to hear us. We don't do that. If you, if you do that and make a show in the flesh, you have your reward, all right? But if you do it and turn and praise to God, listen, that's where this leper was wanting to do. Give all the credit to God. He praised the Lord. Gave glory to the Lord. So see his pondering. See this causing to praise God. Then see this, number three, see his posture. Look at verse 16. And notice this phrase in verse 16. And fell down on his face at his feet. At this very moment, this shows his humble thankfulness to what Jesus had done for him. Fell down upon his face. Understand, when you realize in just, at least in a just little bit, and just a minute bit of what Jesus has done for you and for me. When we realize that, you know what that will cause you and I to do? At least it should. It should cause you and I to fall at his feet and thank him. Say, thank you, Lord. I'm going to ask you a question this morning. I don't want you to answer it for yourself, okay? 
want you to answer it for yourself in the quiet of the moment for a minute. Has the Lord met a need this week? Has the Lord been good to you this week? Has the Lord answered a specific prayer? Has the Lord helped you in any single way? Has the Lord done something for you lately? If the answer is yes, then in this moment right now, as you're thinking about that one thing or two things or ten things, in this moment right now, whisper, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. I've got more to say, but I'm going to stop. Because at this moment, I think it would be good to go ahead and have a pianist come. Whatever song got picked out is good to play. We'll have our altar call now. Because you have some things on your heart and mind right now. I don't know what it is, but you do. And it's something that God has given to you, done for you, and you just simply need to come this morning and say, thank you, Lord. That's it. That's the altar call. To come to God today, simply say, thank you. What is it? What is it that you can thank Him for?